know that every child has value. Your words are powerful. Now, because of my background, I was very careful what I would say to my children because, you know, when you speak to children in anger and back home, they'll just curse the kids. Let the word of God be your standard and then do what makes common sense. I see the walls before me, I feel the cages forming, seems like the world is falling, but I keep my head off the ground. I see the world before me, I know what change is coming, I hear the world is calling, so I keep my head off the ground. We break into everything. We break into everything. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. We break into Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I am your host, Joyce Donkor. Today we have an amazing guest. She is our Barrier Breaker for the month of May 2023. <laughs> she is Ayabami Olusa, a mom, a wife, an RN, for those who don't know, a registered nurse, and also a Mary Kay consultant for 16 years, 12 cars, including six pink Cadillacs, 13 unit clubs, highest unit retail of $740,000, triple star 4X, and double star one time. She's been amazing. You know, her story is amazing. And I heard a story on one of our women's program at church. And I was like, wow, that's an amazing person who is pushing through, striving through. And I knew that she was one day going to come on the podcast. So, you know, when you have a vision um, and God allows it to come to pass, I am so grateful that you are here. I call her Auntie Bami, that you are here. Please introduce yourself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What an honor to God be the glory for this amazing day and to be in the land of the living. What a privilege, what an honor. We don't take it for granted. Lord, I submit this meeting to you and I ask that you speak through my lips and just give me utterance. So great evening, great morning, wherever we are on this space of the earth. I am so honored and so privileged to be here with precious sister Joyce. I met her a couple years ago through our first precious lady and just love her smile. I don't know what Joyce does not do. One of the most versatile human beings, her smile, her loving on the kids. And then she sings and then she ministers. I mean, <laughs> I'm just blown away, Joyce. Thank you. And that you allow yourself to, you know, to step into a greater version of yourself. So barrier breaker wow thank you thank you thank you for inviting me here and so here i am happy mother's day everyone i am the choking one for 
Right. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> what an awesome privilege and honor. I don't take it for granted to be a mom, especially in this day and time. If you have never experienced motherhood, it is an honor that is not easy, but we do it anyway. Well, as she said, my name is Ayabami Ulusa. I hail from Nigeria. I was born in Providence, Rhode Island, and started being raised in Tallahassee, Florida. And then my family, my parents moved back to Nigeria when I was eight years old. And then, you know, of course, I was in Nigeria for about 13 years. I was seven and a half, so I came back at 19. And I was just kind of pushed like, go figure out the American dream. And that's how I landed back in the United States of America. Well, you know, when once I got here was when I met my amazing husband of 29 years this year. We started life together. I went to nursing school. We went to nursing school together, actually, and started our family. Yeah, and started our family. And uh, we're blessed with our first. She's 27 years old. Wow. She graduated from Long Island University in Long Island, <laughs> and she's on her way to law school. Awesome. And then we have our second, my precious, Oyua Musayo. He <laughs> is our only spoiled son. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put the spoils there. Yes. Well, he is our spoiled son who is our treasure, you know, came with quite a few different sets of responsibilities, being diagnosed with autism when he was almost seven and, you know, been on that journey. He's now 24, so just so grateful for his life. He mm-hmm. is, uh, he totally has broken down some beliefs for me and he just continues to amaze me every day. And then my baby, oh my gosh, my baby. <laughs> She, her name is Ayoyimika Olusa, and she is 20 years old. She is a sophomore at Liberty University in Virginia. So, you know, just taking, she's loving her school and loving her program. She's a psych major. So, you know, that's me in my life. And, you know, I've been called to mother these amazing women. And then leading over, oh my gosh, probably five hundred strong sales force organization, you know, Mary Kay, we're celebrating our 60th anniversary with Mary King. So when I came in, I was by myself and we have grown and continue to grow women, you know, mentoring women from all ages, from all over the United States and in Canada, in England, God has been faithful. So I think when you lead, yes, you lead, but you still mother. <laughs> Listen to all their concerns, pray with them, mentor, educate, encourage, pick them up, encourage them when they're weary hearted and faint hearted. So, you know, it's my job description. So, my motherhood, I have a big family. So, I have nieces, nephews, cousins. So, I'm just really blessed and grateful and surrounded by amazing people. So that's a little bit about me. So Joyce, you want me to tell how I started? I'll be asking questions. So (laughs) what a powerful intro. (laughs) So my first question, from a very young age, did you envision yourself going into nursing? Was that your desire? No. Wow. I wasn't expecting this question. So 
For my young age, I was one of those teenagers that kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. I'm glad this is a podcast with a believer. So they say you see traces of what you're going to be in your child. So I always loved makeup. So my father was vehemently, violently against makeup. But I loved makeup to the point where I would wear it and don't go home. <laughs> but give me, you know, because it was a zoom back then that, you know, a certain only prostitute wore makeup. So that was his mentality. So that was the seed. Now, as far as a career, I went from aeronautical engineering to been wanting to be a doctor and lawyer. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So when I came to America, I was told to go into computer science. And I did. When I came to America, I started with computer science. And that way back now, I came to America in 1990, right? 1990. Way back then, the computers were these big machines, right? Huge ones. (laughs) Huge ones. So it was Fortran and COBOL, all these things. And Mm -hmm. I would get the room and like, what is this? Mm-hmm. I was always a people person. Mm-hmm. Even though I am introverted, I'm still a people person. Mm-hmm. I may not be the loudest, but I always love people. So I did not know I was going to come to America to be, you know, and become a nurse. So I started that program, but it was so foreign. I couldn't relate to it. So I would start classes, drop, start classes, drop. You know, I met my husband and he kind of encouraged us like, you know, while we're trying to figure out what we want to do, why don't we just go to nursing school? Because as a nurse, you will be able to start working. And then, of course, the first job I got, okay, my first job, really, to be honest, was at Dunkin' Donuts. I lasted two days because I couldn't, I didn't understand the accent and it was too fast for me. You know, at 19, coming from Nigeria, I remember in the Nigerian piece, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not America, wake up in the morning, get your coffee and go. It was very difficult. So someone said, you know what? They are hiring at a nursing home and they will train you to become a nurse's aide. And so then I went and started that work, which was not fun. And it was completely, it was a shock, but I didn't have a choice. I had to do it because rent was due. My dad, yeah, I was on my own. So, you know, I mean, you come to America and you figure it out. Like, okay, even though this is not your favorite or this was not your dream. So that was why my husband said, you know, since you're doing that, go, let's go to nursing school. And then we went to nursing school and then I became a nurse. Uh, so I became a nurse in 1994. And then I still had my uh, desire to not be a nurse. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I was going to go to through the occupational therapy program mm-hmm. and then I got pregnant. So while I got pregnant with my first, I decided, you know what, since I'm in nursing already, let me just go ahead and complete my RN. And then I became a, a registered nurse. Yes. So that's kind of like my background, but I found that I enjoyed it. And I did a lot of fast paced nursing, labor and delivery, ER because I like action. I like, you know, I don't want to say I get bored easy, but I do. So that was what I needed to do until then, you know, the crossroad when 
my son got diagnosed and I began to think, I don't know what I'm going to do, but the working nights and not having coverage for him is totally not going to work. How can I get out of this? And that was really my intention. Yeah. Before you go into that, I just want to piggyback a little on when you talked about the traces, you know, of childhood, because it reminds me of when I was a kid and I remember I was back home and when my parents are not around, I'll gather the neighborhood kids and I'll come and share the word of God with them. This is like eight or seven and I'll bring them home. We'll be in the veranda in the house and I'll be sharing the word of God with them. And when I finish, I'll go shower them outside <laughs> with the sponge that we use for the dishes. <laughs> and then, so I realized that, like, as you said, I'm like, wow, those are the traces. And sometimes it's hard, like African parents, I guess now it's, we are getting there where you see some things in your kid and you still want them to become a lawyer or a doctor. Meanwhile, there are other things that they could become. I remember when I was in university and I was like, I was teaching Sunday school and I love hanging out with the kids. And I called my dad. I was like, I think I need to change the course I'm doing. I want to do something that has to do with kids. And he was like, I paid your school fees. You finish this degree. And then we can think about that later. But when you talked about traces, that's what came to mind. And also, whilst you're trying to figure out yourself in life or anyone that is listening right now, instead of just and not doing anything, try and make some money, you know, whilst you figure out yourself because uh, the bills has got to be paid. And I mean, lucky for you if you're staying with your parent, but I think it's still important to still try and figure out yourself whilst you're trying to be working, whilst you're trying to figure out yourself. I remember one of my sisters when she was going into law. And I mean, my dad, we have six girls and she has, uh, he has a lot of school fees to pay for. So he'll pay for you to go to school, but how you're going to get to school is going to be on you. <laughs> so my you sister, the man. you don't want to kill him. <laughs> I know why my sister was trying to get her, her degree, her law degree. She will make pastries and sell in the mornings. Like She'll make some space. She'll go to the banks. She'll go to offices. And that's how she was able to get like transportation to go to, to school and all of those things. And this is still back home. So wherever you are, whatever you are doing, whilst you're trying to figure out yourself, get yourself working, you know, help your parents pay some bills or something, you know, because it's a lot on them. It's, it can be a lot. So I just wanted to piggyback on that. But just talking about your transition before we go into motherhood, can we transition into how you got yourself from being an RN? I guess it's mixed up with your son being born and then going into Mary Kay, but probably let's talk about your transition from being an RN into Mary Kay consultancy. Okay. So, you know, where life finds you sometimes. So of course I was this, oh my God, I mean, $50 an hour. You couldn't tell me nothing. You could not tell me. Listen, <laughs> at that time. Oh yeah. Even now, even now. Yeah. Oh, you could not tell me anything. So I enjoyed the freelance and the freedom. So even in nursing, I very rarely held positions because I am a very independent personality. I like to go where I want to go and not go where I don't want to go. And I always valued my freedom. So I worked a lot of contract assignments. So I would go, this is way back. 17, 18 years ago, 19, 20 years ago. I just, that was the kind of nurse that I enjoyed. I hated when I had to take a position, which at certain times, maybe because of insurance or whatever, then I had no, I felt like they took my will. 
from me when I have to pick it because you told me to be there. No, I didn't like that. So now that's also part of my personality. I'm very independent, very, I would like to say I'm very God dependent. So, but that's a totally different story because God, the piece of work that he deals with, with me, you know, when we have these personalities, woo, it takes, uh, you know, sometimes. So, yeah. so I was working a contract nurse and I have an affinity for Ghanaian women. Because Open Who changed my life. Her name is Hilda Apia Dankwa. I'm Ghanaian, so thank you for the love. Thank you for the love. <laughs> Some people might not want to hear this because they'll be like, but you're a Gambian too, so. Oh, she changed my life. So how did I make the transition? I did not know I was going to change the transition. It's just you're living life and then you feel nudges and you feel called and pulled different. So I always valued good skincare. And between the stress I was dealing with and mid, I was in my mid thirties at that point, I began to have really bad breakouts. So, and I used, once I got married, I used fashion fair exclusively for the 10 years, Mm -hmm. but I would go to the counter, like I'm breaking out. What can I do? They were not helpful. There was really no consultation. There was no help. So I would just buy things. And so I was at that point in my life. Another thing that happened is when my son was diagnosed, getting people to help you mind him, care for him became more challenging. And my primary assignment, I love, I've always been a money maker. I love um, working, but my primary assignment is I'm called to my children. And if I'm not successful at home, I can't be successful anywhere. So he was, his behaviors, the diagnosis of autism came with, he was hyperactive. He couldn't sit still. He was in the toilet, sucking people, toilet people water. He was biting the walls. He was going out in the winter. We live, of course, in New York. In the winter, you step out, want to try to jump into the neighbor's pool. It was nonstop. Him, you know, just trying to figure out how to deal with the diagnosis. It was a shocker for both of my husband. We went like apart before we decided to come together and face this blessing that we had. And on top of that, nursing, because I had to take a position once I got pregnant with my third one, then they weren't as flexible. Like, we got this going on at home. It's like, you're on your own. Go figure it out, right? I mean, that's how cool the world is. (laughs) Go figure it out. No support. And guess what? At this point, with my maturity and with what I know, they didn't have any answers either. So you can't expect people to help you if they nobody knew what to do. So Mm -hmm. we didn't know what to do. But one thing I knew was that, so, you know, when the diagnosis came, we started hanging, not, I don't want to say hanging out, going to like court groups with parents, with the other situation. And I faced the cold, harsh reality that a lot of people, their backs are against the wall and they have to decide to put the kid in a group home. I'm just like, you know what? Hell no, that is not happening to me. I'm sorry. Uh-uh, that's not an option. Now, hear my heart. If that's what you feel led to do, that's what you have to do. Yeah. As for me, because guess what? We only have this one life to live as for me. Us? No. 
<laughs> I didn't come. I didn't carry my son for nine months, breastfeed him for 14 months to put him somewhere because of the almighty dollar. Forget it. Mm. Go, no, forget it. Mm. So that was where we were. And we were like faced with this. I'm like, you know what? I need to figure out how am I going to stay home with this child? How am I going to replace my income? That was a big income. $50. One job was $50. And I mean, if I can replace this income, then I can stay home with my son. Mm -hmm. And this angel, I took an assignment in New Jersey. And the first night on the floor, I walked past this destiny helper. That's what I, I walked past her. And, you know, when you're working agency or temp, your first person you're looking for is someone you, you can connect with so that they can cut you the ropes because it's really hard and cold <laughs> when you go there, they're like on your own and, oh, you're making, they make you work for it. Okay. So I met her and we, you know, just because she was from, I'm from Nigeria and she's from Ghana, you know, we connected and we would just talk, talk, talk. And I saw she was selling Mary Kay and of course, in my head, because of my own ignorance, I was like, in my head, I just thought, you know, I guess it was a frivolous thing. People don't make money doing things like that. How do you make a living selling lipstick? <laughs> I didn't know. I had not seen it. It was not in my community that I was with. So, but anyway, I was always a reader and just one hard, cold night. And I drove from Middletown to New Jersey to think mm -hmm. to that assignment and one night just in the rush trying to get to work between my son and then remember Yimi were three when I started so she, I had a baby and then I had her him and then my oldest was the most settled she was very easy kid you know she was like tech so you know I got to work and forgot all my paraphernalia I'm, I've always been a reader so I would have something reading about marriage about parenting not per se leadership at that point but I would always have something to read of my faith, Christian literature and stuff like that. And I got to work and, you know, I delivered babies. At that point, I was a labor nurse. So it was either feast or famine. So it's either I get there and before I put my bag down, somebody's about to deliver and then you know, one is about to, <laughs> you know, or it's just like dead, you mm -hmm. know, but has to be stopped because you never know who's going to walk in. So it was just dead night. It was a dead night. So like, oh my gosh, I got my books and I was in the middle of a good book. What am I going to read? What am I going to do? 12 hours. Oh my God. You know, really nothing going on on the floor. And my Mary Kay angel healed that way. And there was nothing to do. And she had all her Mary Kay paraphernalia on the table. And because I was, I had preconceived ideas. That's why I'm never offended, really, when people look at me like, you know, frivolous or whatever. Oh, sorry. My earrings dropped. Sorry. Um, when people, that's because I didn't put the blocker in the back of it. Anyway, she had all her American paraphernalia. And I just picked, I saw an autobiography, the American autobiography. The book? Book, the book. Yeah. I read that book. I read that book. You read that book. It is amazing. Out of boredom, I just started to read it. And by the end of the night, I was asking her questions like, what is this about? How? And I called my husband. I said, oh, my God, I found my way out of nursing. He said, are you crazy? Do you know? I mean, we bought our first house on that salary. You know, what? You want to do what? <laughs> if 
found a way. I saw three things. God first, family second, career third. Oh, yes. Yes. I still have that on my Instagram. I think either I saw it there or I had written it before I read the book. And then I was like, oh, my God. When I read that part in the book, I was like, no one ever told me anything like this. But when I saw that, it resonated because I was like, oh, my God. I like, I am in alignment. I'm in the wrong right alignment. Way. Yeah. So that was in alignment with my value. Second thing I saw, I saw women making money. Mm-hmm. Now, again, some people like frivolous, some people like prices and diamonds and jewels. Whatever you see me wear, Mary Kay gave me all these things. Mary Kay gave me. I earned them. I'm not, I'm pretty plain Jane to be. I've become more fancy. Of course, you have it. You try to use it or remember to use it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't remember. But anyway, but when I saw it, I needed to make sure that I could replace my income. Like women are making 40, 50, 60, 70,000 dollars a month. Oh, I know I won't do it overnight. But the fact that I can get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then the third thing where they're African-Americans like me. Yeah. Particularly Nigerian. Those were my three things. Mm-hmm. Are there any? And I saw the Applause magazine. I saw names that looked like mine. And mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I do not know for a hundred dollars. If I could give this a shot, mm-hmm. I can do it. And I joined on the nursing floor. See, the power of making a decision. Now, I had never sold anything and I'm not the most friendly. I am a people person, but not the most, you know, <laughs> that I've had to learn through this career. I'm pretty mm-hmm. introverted. I'm mm-hmm. a whole body. If I don't have any business out there, I can be home for a whole week or mm-hmm. two weeks. So I joined. It was like two or three o'clock in the morning. Hilda was so excited. And then <laughs> buyer's remorse kicked in. As I was leaving the floor that day, seven o'clock, I'm thinking, and you work two jobs. You have a child just diagnosed. You have a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to find time for this? I am crazy. Mm-hmm. So I went back to her. I left. I was going downstairs. I went back to her. I wanted her to cancel me because that was you know, my fear kicked in. Like She said, Tommy, don't worry about it, girl. All you have to do is one, two, three, four, and that's it. Mm-hmm. The whole drive home, I'm like, out of your mind. How are you going to do it? So anyway, you know, they say something that the person who knows why, the person who knows how will always work for the person who knows why. Why? Mm -hmm. So it was more important. My why was replacing my income and taking care of my son. The how did not matter. You'll figure it out. So sometimes breaking barriers is, Taking a step of faith when you can't see. They say, you only see down the hall. You yeah. only see down the way. It's yeah. only God knows what what's around, around the corner. Yeah. So I did not know that 16, 17 years, this May, May 4th will actually be 17 years that I joined. I had no sales skills, background, no friends. Because, you know, having a child with special needs is a whole different ball game. Yeah. Where you can go is it's limited um, without having to explain or restrain your child from being inappropriate according to how people term what's normal and all of that. So 
it was honestly, it was God's way of resuscitating me. Yeah. You know, helping me develop these leadership skills. And it was, it's just been a blessing. That's how I started. And within six months of joining, I went per diem in nursing and never went back until during the pandemic where I, you know, got my license. So I just kind of do assessments, but not, you know, this has become, you know, ministry Yeah, for me. And and I see you enjoy it. You love. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love, I mean, who wouldn't love the concept of aging backwards? Like, come on. I don't look my age. I love it. I love the skin care. I love teaching it. And then, you know, encouraging a lot of women, very low self-esteem, yeah. uh, being able to encourage them and push them, you know, just be, you know, help them break their own belief barriers. I remember I was in London and at a time I moved to London when I was 18 to study. And back then I didn't like makeup because the makeup I had seen was horrible. It was horrible. I was like, I was never going to wear makeup if that's how makeup is going to be looking like. Because you could tell the difference between the person's face and the neck. And I was like, no, I don't like makeup at all. Even weave-ons on today, I feel like it's now that I'm getting there to where I would love to have like lace wigs or nice weave-ons on. And that's like once in a while. But because of the way people used to put it on back then, it looked so fake. And I didn't want that. Yeah. That's why I don't, I can't. You're like me in that respect. I like my natural, yes, I like my hair. I hate weave-ons. I hate weave. I've always, I can't get with it. Plus now with this phase of life I'm in, it makes me hot. So forget it. Um, so that's why I love my hair a lot. And I love, I used to wear a lot of braids. That's as fake as I can get. Braids. Yeah, me too. Me too. Braids are my thing. <laughs> yeah, they were my thing, but whoop, The front hair, right? <laughs> yes, I can relate. But I know the foundation traumatization that women have gone through. Oh man. They're and then the supposed- eyebrow thing was like going west. And I was like, no, if that's, I don't want to look like a masquerade. I'm not going to try makeup. And so like, oh my God. And then they put the black on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No. And no. I was like, I'm not going there with makeup. And so I was living with this family friend of ours and daughter well, got in contact with American consultant. And that's how I got introduced to Mary Kay and the way they, like, we got tested on, you know, putting on the makeup and all of that. It looked so natural. And so I got to start buying Mary Kay products for a long time whilst I was in London. Even when I moved back to Gambia for about, I think, four or five years, I was using Mary Kay products. Yeah. From the eyeshadow, I had the brushes, I had everything because it was so natural and I loved it. Natural. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I loved it. And she, I mean, my cousin was in my, in, I was living with my cousin. So she had the products every single time she was selling to me. <laughs> and then you have all these free products. And I mean, with the, I love the hand because my, I have a very dry skin. So I always have to, like, anytime I wash my hands, I have to use like a, a hand cream and stuff on my hands. So I love the satin, that orange one that they used to have. Satin hands, I loved, loved it. It was really good. 
one of my favorites and then the shower gels and stuff like that so that's how I got introduced to Mary Kay and then I got the book and I didn't read it there when I was in London but when I moved back it was one of the books that I read that really encouraged me but yeah that's how I got in contact with uh, Mary Kay Consultancy and of course, I never tried to want to sell because I think I was so bad at selling anything. Now that I have my nonprofit, I have to be able to step out because I'm here telling people to break barriers. And one of the things that I love to be around people, but I think going out of your comfort zone and getting acquainted with other people, it's like, okay, I have to do that because now I want to grow Barrier Breakers Corner. I want to have like, it's a nonprofit. I want to get grants. I want to have money coming to a nonprofit. How do I do that? But meeting other people. And so I'm like, I think I need to learn how to network. And that's what it's going to teach you. That's what something like this, you can't, even if you knew a hundred people, eventually you're going to sell through those hundred people, but we don't. So essentially us from other, I mean, a lot of my Facebook friends are my friends from high school, you know? So here is an intentional, even this morning I went out for a little bit and I met someone at the post office just learning because guess what, where you are, God is, and you never know. You don't know who that person knows. Yeah. So it's something that I've learned networking, connecting with people now yeah. is still more easier for me because I need, you know, you can't do anything big by yourself. That's how I met our first lady. I met her at JCPenney and offered my card. And through that, you know, became, she became my customer and that's how I met and met uh, quite a number of people but look at that yeah you're giving me ideas now (laughs) through that link i mean my life is so much richer better because of that step and joyce forget that you're ever going to be comfortable with it Mm -hmm. it's like you're still playing that in even till now it's like let me talk to her but like bammy shut up and shut that Better say, listen, it's a hundred percent chance when you don't ask, but you see your cards, it's fifty percent that maybe she'll say yes or no, but you never know what those leads where that can lead you to. So breaking barriers, you can have a big name, mm-hmm. but it's connected to someone. And God's not gonna tell you who it's a step of faith. And he will. But it's a step of faith. You got to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Breaking barriers is about stepping out of your comfort zone. That's so true. I'm telling you that you're giving me ideas because I think I announced this on one of my podcasts, but I'm going to announce one of my podcasts last year. But for those who are yet to know, I'm yet to put it on my social media. But for close family and friends who already know, I have a a children's book coming out. Yeah. And I'm already thinking about how I'm going to sell it because I need to sell a lot, a lot, a lot of them. And for a very long time, I, you know, whilst you're on social media, you're seeing how people are selling their products and all of those. Not to say that that's, I didn't have any, I didn't have any products, but one thing that God gave me was the gift to even write. And hopefully one day I get to share the story of how I got to get the children's book out. But thinking about how I'm going to sell these books and all of those things are on my mind. I'm like, God, how I'm going to do it. And I mean, I've been having ideas, but now you're giving me more ideas and, you know, just connecting with one person, one person will connect to two or three or four. You never know which company. I, will connect to. You with, I posted something last Saturday because it was me and Busayo all, all weekend. And I don't have the book here. Chasing Butterflies is a Nigerian author. 
and it's more Anika. She's a customer, also met her on the hustle. And she just has, I think she's put it out her third book. So I'd love to connect you with her. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Networking already. <laughs> you know, just to see and maybe follow her. She's on yeah. social media. Um, so that was the book we were reading. She she has beautiful stories on the Nigerian growing up living. And, you know, of course, clean, fun, you know, encouraging. So, you know, I would love to connect you with her. I'd follow her just pick her brain she's also a lawyer mm-hmm. and she's out of maryland so i would love to you know definitely just make, would love to ask her questions definitely would love to i mean this is about you know we are talking about breaking barriers here and we need to connect you can't break barriers alone it's gonna i mean you're gonna have to fight it you're gonna have to push but there's gonna be people around you that will support that will give ideas on how to do things and whenever you feel like you're stuck Maybe sometimes you just need to take a minute for yourself, rethink, re-strategize, or just be still for a moment and then get back up. Never, ever stop. Never, ever let that stop you from reaching your goals. And so you are into consultancy with Mary Kay and then motherhood is there. I mean, motherhood led you to that because you were trying to like, I want to be home with your family. And like one thing that you said is, I am called to my children first, like family first. And that's very, very important, of course. God first, then family. I always say this. I have that on my Instagram. God first, family second, and my assignment third. Barrier breakers is third. Work is third. Everything else is third. Because like you said, if your home is not whole, how do you go out and be a light to somebody outside if you are not a light even into those at home? And so... Getting into motherhood, your first child was amazing, is amazing. And then you have a second child that comes on and is amazing. I mean, every child that God gives, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, right? So now you are in this situation. And I know back home, a lot of Africans, I don't know whether they still have that mentality, but I know some people are still growing in that area where you have a child that is diagnosed or have is yet to diagnose because they don't even know what is going on. And I remember when I was very young, I hear people say, oh, this person in the family did you on the person. And that's why this person, their child is like this. And this person, this is what they did. And I remember even before I just moved here, I remember a teacher talking about, you know, a child under the spectrum and like, but they didn't know what that child, like why that person was like that. But I knew and I had to like enlighten them that this person is under the spectrum and that's why they are behaving this way. And so many people still getting to know that their children like that. And it's hard like for people because they don't know, they start tagging them as this and that and, you know, calling them all sorts of names, but getting into that space and finding out about your child as a mother what did that make you? How did that make you feel? Oh my gosh. Ooh, okay. How did that make me feel? At first, we you go through the grief process and shock, angry, depressed. Then you come to the point where, you know, why me? How am I going to manage? And like I said earlier, it was my husband, like maybe she got it from you. Maybe she, you know, I mean, you go through the whole, okay, this is real. This is real life. Okay. And there's no manual. You can read the Bible. There is no manual to help you to accept we get our encouragement. I began to, so I had to say, okay, this is my gift, right? And the fruit of my womb is black. So he's black. What is autism? I don't know. Even till today, I don't know. 
Okay, is it a neurological disorder? Is it an autoimmune disorder? I don't know. I just know he was fine till two, saying mama, dada, and then he got his shot. That's the only significant thing mm. I can say that happened. He got his MMRs, and while my other two got their MMRs, and then he just stopped talking, and so these things affect mm. children different ways, right. and stop trying to talk, and then there was no talk for almost eight years. No wow. talk for almost eight years. Just behavior. Eating the call. Doesn't want to eat. We had to, my husband had to sit down with him, teach him how to eat our food because all he wanted to eat was chicken nugget. So this is the motherhood part. Chicken nugget and fry. We had to lock him in his room to sleep at night. Otherwise, we would get up and he's on the street. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy, but I got to the point, it was so isolating because we would go to somebody's house and he was curious. And because he didn't speak, if I got carried away and soft chided away, he would be on, he could go to your bedroom and lay in your bed. I mean, you, <laughs> so we learned to be hyper aware because he will anything that's the worst yeah he won't say anything he would just sneak away and go and do i mean we went to nigeria and before we could turn around the dog we just heard the dog we heard a bark like the dog my son was in the dog and he got a nice mark on his butt i mean so that was the extent people look at us today and like oh it has been a journey that's why this month, because of autism awareness, I've just been very intentional and in just putting out just a few of my story experiences. So he has a high pain threshold. So sometimes like we make sure we beat him and just check him because he could be like we caught him with his foot gashed. He didn't say anything. He didn't cry. Like, oh my God, child. Oh my God. So you know, I mean, talk about parenting and then parenting on another level when you're dealing with that. So how did I deal with it? I just came to the point where I created a certain decorum around people who interacted with him. Mm -hmm. I made right change his sister to treat him um, like they would want to be treated, not call him names. I remember a friend of my daughter, her best friend today, they were young, they were young and innocent and you, oh my God, they were laughing at somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, oh my God, he just got off the small butt. Now, you know, in the special needs, when they have special needs, then they use a smaller bus, transport them. Oh, yeah. She said they probably were like in, I don't know, probably maybe fourth or fifth grade, something, you know, middle age, somewhere there. And she was, her friend was there and at that point we were dealing with all these different facets and yeah. district and and my daughter just sat there just like almost conforming to it oh god i went up and down her like do you know what we're dealing with here mm. do you see the bus that drops your brother mm -hmm. and you're gonna sit there and accept that and at this point we were actually helping her mother with babysitting her mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're going to sit there and say somebody's in a special bus. Like, if I, I'll crush you if I hear <laughs> that out of your mouth. So I had to teach his sisters how to treat him. And we yeah. all have had to learn to treat him. Yeah. And with dignity, with 
still with respect. Yeah. So letting him be who he is and it can be awkward and it can look weird. Yeah. But then that what you think is your business, how God made him mm-hmm. and we are have worked all his life to help him be the best version of himself. Yeah. Because he still has purpose. Mm-hmm. And there's still a vital force in him, mm-hmm. a spirit of intelligence. Mm-hmm. He's not retarded. Mm-hmm. He's smart. He's smarter than me and you. Wow. Trust me. Wow. Don't think. People think that because they're not expressing much, he takes in a lot. And yeah. the way he would say it, you'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, I mean. Is it coming from you? Yeah. So, you know, I just learned to treat him with honor, with mm-hmm. respect. Pay attention. It takes a lot more. Sometimes I do get exhausted and tired because he's 24. I still have to make sure he's taking a thorough bath. Sometimes if he doesn't, he'll walk past me and he's thinking like, oh, no. You just have to make sure that he grooms himself properly because he can just go there. He still will go there and just stand in front of the shower. He never won't take a shower. Or does he scrub himself? Well, you know, I mean, he's a big and you know so you know all the how making sure his food is nourishing and delicious he knows he has to eat his vegetables it hasn't been perfect but we're just doing the best we can yeah you know and set him up so that he can stand independently yeah eventually even though it's taking a little bit more time than but you know still working with him you know make your bed he does he likes to make his smoothies and things like that so it's been a process but they have value they're smart they're intelligent they have different abilities that we do mm-hmm. they process things differently yeah that regular human being he's a child of promise and a child of purpose i know women i know people looking for the fruit of the womb they would accept that kind of gift so who am i no no it's not even And I think that's one thing I love about what you're doing is not ignoring him and leaving him to the side because some people I've seen in some families where they just leave you to the side, you know, and then they concentrate on the kids that are okay, you know, and just push you to the side and just like be shouting on you but not training you, not teaching you, not letting you know, you know, certain things, you know, and not like guiding or grooming you. And you're doing an amazing job as a mom. Like that's super great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it. People, when those kids sometimes get ignored back home, they would be in the church somewhere being beaten up and some kind of spirit out of them. And you are the one who is possessed to be treating another human being that way. I tell people, oh, don't invite me to something. It's three musketeers, me, my husband, and Busaya. There's nowhere to put him. I am not, you know, like, don't invite me. If he can't come, then I don't need to be there. At 24, I'm not going to find, you know, I mean, he's fine. He'll go to a party. He doesn't like a lot of noise. So, you know, try to do. So, you know, I've just trained myself, trained people. Okay. If there's not a room, enough room for three. Then, then don't invite, right? Sometimes it's sisters. It's good that you put those boundaries there. Yeah, let people be aware and know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eventually, people would, get to learn. They get to learn, and if it would embarrass you to have his company, then you don't need me there. Exactly. That's my reality. And he's a child. Of, he's there's no shame. There's no. He's gorgeous. He's a teddy bear. 
I mean, you need a hug from Messiah. You never had a hug. He is yes. the most loving human being, innocent, you know, and I mean, there is nothing to hide or be ashamed or just yeah. Oh, you know, you yeah. just create those boundaries and yeah. this is my standard. So when people invite me to stop, it's like <laughs> when sister yet to go if she wanted me to come to I said okay winning women are you sure you want me to come because there's no place for me to put myself it will have to be both of us she said don't come please come like he didn't want to be there but you know what <laughs> yeah to be, yeah yeah so he was so funny that day he was he was done he packed my bike he's <laughs> like mommy let's go home <laughs> this is it <laughs> Yeah, he's something else. Oh my God, that boy. He just keeps me laughing. He is a trick. He is something. But what a blessing. What a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the questions that just dropped in my mind was, were you afraid to have a third, to have another baby? My husband is one of five. I'm one of four. So my desire was to have two, right? And once we realized, you know, he's the only boy. Mm -hmm. So my husband had that desire to have another one. Mm -hmm. And after my third dealing with my son, I was like, I tied my teeth from the hospital. Unfortunately, without my permission, like he was, he left after I had my third and I had signed that I would. So, you know, no way. Women who make history are not always well-behaved or like... I just saw that quote. I just saw that quote. Oh, I love that quote. Like, when he came back, what happened? Like, what if we have, by any chance... And he had the low, pretty one of another boy. I'm like, first of all, I can't guarantee that I can't make a boy. Second of all, I can't guarantee that I won't have another child on the spectrum. Don't you see what we are going through? Are you out of your mind? But it took my husband a long time to like... Oh, I heard it. I heard it. Oh, man, you look like, yeah, I was afraid. In fact, I picked myself. I made sure I was neutered, authorized before I left that hospital after that third child. <laughs> Don't even play. <laughs> there I've seen families that are dealing with three of, you know, hey, no. This is my husband was so mad at me. I don't know why he didn't divorce me, but <laughs> no. I was like, I was clear. You can't break belief barriers if clear. You have to be clear. Eh? Let your head be correct. Eh? In America, who's going to help you? That was amazing. <laughs> I didn't expect that. But yeah. So one of the questions that I asked on because is actually before I even go into that, maybe I should ask. What is something that you wish you knew when you were younger? If you had known it earlier, what is something that you wish you knew when you were younger? That if you had known, it would have been like, you know, you'd have... Well, to believe self-confidence. I grew up in a very volatile home, and my parents actually wound up getting divorced after 40 years. So I lived through the trauma of their, you know, unhappiness. Mm. I was a person of value. Mm. And that I was good enough, pretty enough, all of that. I grew up with those things very twisted based on the feedback I got from my parents because they were unhappy. They were unhappy together. So, and I was, I'm a first child. So I bore the brunt of their, you know, I was the sounding board and then the 
punching bag sometimes for their happiness. So Were you the first? I was the first. Okay. So I was supposed to know. And I was a child. And it just doesn't work like that. You know, a child be a child and a parent be a parent. You know, some things are just not. Kids are not able to process some things. So I did a lot thinking that it would bring them together and would, you know, even fake sickness. Because at that time I noticed, I noticed that they would be civil, you know, because they both. But, you know, I mean, now I know they did the best that they could do. They didn't know any better. We're just trying, you know, life is we're trying to figure things out. So. I think I know God blessed me with my husband because he was always affirming, always telling me I was good enough, always telling me I was beautiful, always never. After your parents divorced, did you ever think that marriage was for you? Did you still believe in marriage? My parents divorced in the early, like 2010, 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were together. I mean, they were living separate and then they finally, my mom did that in, I want to say 2009, 2000 and somewhere there. So they had been married for about 40 something years. Oh, you were well, already married by then? I was already oh, married. Okay, okay. Okay, cool. Said it didn't make it any easier, but you know, it is what it is. You know, we'll make their decisions based on, you know. So even as I wrap up the podcast, this has been a wonderful conversation. And your journey from transitioning to, you know, being an RN into consultancy, just because of the way motherhood came out, you know, to you, I want to just advise other mothers who are out there, who are going through their own journeys, who are struggling one way or the other on just even raising a normal kid, you know, or that and also kids under the spectrum, you know, how can you... What advice have you got for them? I can't break this barrier. I don't know what to do. You know, this is really hard. What advice have you got for them? Well, first thing is know that every child has value. Your words are powerful. Now, because of my background, I was very careful what I would say to my children because, you know, when you speak to children in anger and back home, they'll just curse the kids. You stupid. You know, I mean, one of the things that I had to make sure initially, just the words that I, I had made a decision. I don't know, as a young kid, and I was talking to my husband last week that I wasn't going to repeat certain things. Mm. The it oh, power decisions that we make, I think as children or conclusions that we draw, they're powerful. Yeah. Because I believe they're God decision. So now, am I a perfect mom? Absolutely, by no means. Mm -hmm. But I had made those decisions. I wasn't going to repeat certain things that I had experienced. Mm -hmm. So the words that we speak to our children, are we speaking life to them? Are we being encouraging? Are we listening? Because sometimes as we listen to our children where they are able to even answer their question, Right now, in this day and age, raising children, mm-hmm. I am staying ahead of social media. Right. I having conversations Listen. about hard things, mm-hmm. sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> there are two genders, male and female. Are you having those conversations? Because all over TikTok and Instagram, they're telling them otherwise. Yeah. Are you having those conversations? You know, are we involved? 
in what they're involved in? Or are we just so busy making money? I love listening to my children, letting them speak their heart, their mind, letting them whatever. So the advice I'll say is don't attempt my oldest. She, she still jabs this at me. Like when she was a young adult, I have to always tell her like, girl, I'm your mother. I'm not your friend. So now, you know, she's 27. So now it's time to be your friend. You know, like sometimes you're like, oh, remember? I'm not your friend. Like, you know how they, anyway, you know, there are seasons and I'm in a different season of parenting now. Mm-hmm. A parenting young adult. When they were little, you know, making sure they were eating healthy, making sure that they were in programs that kept them healthy, keeping them active, keeping them busy. You know, honestly, it depending on the grace of God, the Bible does give us promises concerning our children that the disciples taught of the Lord and obedient to his will. Great shall their peace and their composure. I still speak that over them. The Bible says that me and my children, we will be for signs and wonders. So I still speak that over my children. So let the word of God be your standard and then do what makes common sense. I have my daughter in school, in college, and sometimes she'll just call mommy, I love you, I miss it. And I'm intentional about, okay, if I find Chin Chin, just mailing, do, do the extra. You know, if I bake, I package it up and then I ship it to her. You know, just let that element of, let them just always know that you're thinking about them and love them. It's not the big things. Of course, we made their education a high priority and making sure that they at least got their first degrees, you know, work. So, you know, just really being able to not be perfect. I tell them when I'm not feeling great, I'm tell, I tell them when I'm low so that they know a perfect not hiding stuff like that from them yeah yeah so you know just really honestly of course let your year be yay yeah be a of integrity you know finish the things that you start let them see you in the word let them hear you praying for them let them come around the work that you do yeah you do it let them know sometimes you struggle because kids can look at you and think oh things just went perfect for mom and dad like oh no it didn't we chilled at home a lot but they need to know no yeah exactly you said about your dad it's that's a lot you know and that you all are in you're going through college almost like at the same time it's a lot but i taught them how to be grateful Mm -hmm. i taught them you know writing cards like for birthdays when people come like write a card to say thank you yeah you know them certain things of course we prayed together Spend time in the word together. But honestly, I just want you to know, mom, you are more than enough. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, sometimes it's good to take a paper and pen and a dump list. Write out everything that you're doing and then go back and reprioritize your time. What's important? What is it that only I can do? What is it that I can delegate? And what do I need to stop doing? Some of us is we need to stop watching Nollywood, Bollywood, Bollywood, all of that. Right. <laughs> right? Because that's not, a lot of it is not really, they say it's entertainment, but what entertains you trains you. My kids go up. I personally do not watch TV. I that's do not. Yeah. 
the discipline. I think it's a waste of time. I, my time is better spent reading because that develops me. Every once in a while, watch a movie with them, but not as a, you would never come to my house and the TV is blasting. So some of us need to shut off some of these demonic messages that are coming through our children, are coming through our TV screen. It's a television. It's shared a vision of what the world is, but we are supposed to be transformed. We're not to conform to this world, but to be transformed by the entire, I love the Amplified, entire renewal of our mind. And that is a lifelong process. So, you know, I'll tell you, and then get some rest. Kids are a lot. Yes, they are. They're still a gift and they deserve and that's why I actually transitioned because I just didn't feel like I could be an effective mother because I was tired all the time, you know. Yeah, that's the kind of advice I would give and just be, you know, practical, get around circle of women, mm-hmm. get a mentor, get encouragement, you know, and don't think that you have to do it alone. And when you feel overwhelmed, it's okay to unplug and go take a nap or go take a shower or soak in. Uh, you know, women need to do a lot more and to take better care of themselves. But that's what I can say right off the top of my head. Yeah. I have two things. One is a question and then the other I'll tell you. But before I go there, I was laughing earlier because God has just been, I mean, this is, I've been in the season of learning since this year started, learning a lot. And so one of my very close friends, she was traveling. I forgot where she was going to, but she and her husband are traveling and she wanted me to be there and happens that I was going to be in Maryland anyway. So I was there taking care of her kids. She has two amazing kids. One of them is my, I mean, my goddaughter. And (laughs) I was there. I mean, they have their grandma there, but I was supporting and I'm like from morning. I mean, I've not been busy. I, I wasn't busy at work at that time. So I was like from morning, you know, showering them or taking them one to school and coming back to feed the other lunch and going back to pick up. By the time it was evening and I put them to bed by 7.38, I was done. I was like, I just wanted to go to bed, shower. By 9 p.m., I was in bed. On a normal day, 9 p.m., I wouldn't be in bed. I was in bed. I was like, how does she do this? She comes back from work and does that as a mom. And I was like, oh my God, that's a lot, a lot. And I was like, definitely the need for help, you know, there's definitely the need for rest. All this advice that you're giving. I was just laughing at myself like, whoa, that was a whole lot. And like you said, children are a lot, but you need to also take time for yourself and have time for yourself. The question I wanted to ask you was, what lesson are you learning as a mom right now? Lesson? Well, right now, you know, making the transition from like, Sire is a separate kid, but I have two girls, you know, very independent, strong like their mom. So right now I'm learning how to be more of a friend and a sounding board than telling them what to do. So it's a transition for parents. Sometimes we want to say, do you know where we live? Oh, do you, know, do you, we're in the United States of America. Oh, like, you know. so we have got to learn as parents to listen more, listen more, you know, act like you're interested. Sometimes I'm not like, especially when it comes to my oldest daughter, love the concert. So, you know, just be interested. So we're actually going to some concert this summer. I'm going with them. I said, oh, I'm going to wear, you know, Gucci pants. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna have- Come on, sexy mama. <laughs> they look at me like, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> but, 
So, you know, I mean, and then do things with them that they enjoy, not particularly, you know, for yeah. me, like, so, you know, it's what I'm learning is really adjusting, yeah. transitioning from mom and trying to tell them everything what mm-hmm. to do and, you know, praying for them more. And especially now we need wisdom. Yeah. With, especially in this age and what, you know, the culture we're living in, culture park and war. So the lessons I'm learning is really being that sounding board and, and then more than anything, leading by example, you know, and sharing, be okay to share some of your failures and mistakes so that they don't repeat, repeat them. So I have shared certain things that with them, you know, so that they can avoid being in the same. So making that transition, my oldest is 27 and then Yimi is 20. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not monitoring where they're going and this and the other. I think that's key for parents to know because when they are babies and when they're toddlers and as they grow into teenagers, that's when you are telling them, you're guiding them. But there has to be a transition. You can't be telling them every single time till they are 40, 60. That's not what parenting is. You have to transition and then get to a place where you're having conversations and talking about stuff and be open-minded. Because some some of our parents are so close-minded. You know, they They are. They are. You know, it's so hard to get through to them. I asked my daughter, do you ever, oh, this guy talk to me. I want her to tell me and I'm not judging it. This guy talked to me, like, yeah, especially African parents. Gosh, we just believe that the way we were raised is the way we're going to do it. Like, mm, yeah, forever and ever. Amen. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. We have to be open and listen. Listen to the crazy so you can hear it and help them make the adjustment. And don't be judgmental or don't let it like, oh, interesting. You know, when I see stuff, even though they eat it, when I see stuff, I share it with them like, you know, okay. You know, good to know, you know, so I mean... Is it the perfect thing? No, I, I recommend books. You know, sometimes we, especially during the pandemic, we did Bible studies together. I would read something and tell them to read it, you know, and get feedback from them. So, you know, just trying to bring them up to your level and yet be humble and wise enough to also try to be involved in what's going on with them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you say that because I remember when I first moved to London, that was like the first time ever I had to leave my parents. Yeah. And I mean, my dad went with me and spent one month, but him leaving was so hard, but I got to see, you know, not that I never loved my mom. I love my mom. I love my mom. But like, because maybe you have, I'm always around her and all of those things. You never get to see or know how much you love her until I left. And how I saw my cousin treat her mom. She was like, no one like dares talk about her mom. You can't say anything bad about her mom. She's going to beat you up. Like she was standing for her mom. And I felt so bad because I was like, I have never stood for my mom like my cousin Stood for her mom. And it made me come to that point where I appreciated my mom. I loved my mom the more. And so, like, I love that your daughter gets to call you and tell you how much she loves you. It's so good that we say it all the time. I'll call my mom, my son, I will call her. And at the end of the call, we love you, mom. You know, sometimes she say some things and we'll be encouraging her as well. That's the friendship level that we reach now, not commanding and stuff. So it's good that when you get to that point, you know, it's not about telling, telling, but having a, that relationship with your child. And so to end this podcast, I would like you to say something 
to your children, you know, maybe something that they've never heard or something that you want to share on this Mother's Day, something that you oh, want to tell my them. God. What an honor. Thank you. Okay, so like to my first child, the chief strength of my womb, right? Sorayo, I am just so delighted to be your mom. I love how you take charge of all of us, right? Puts us in our shape. Tells her that stop drinking so much soda. Listen, I'm going to take care of you when you get old. But, you know, these are things. But she is just such a, a blessing. I love her. She's very, she is, I like to call her a lover, a tough lover, not a fighter. The baby, she's a fighter. You fight you first. So I'm so glad that just to see you, you know, how you help us with Usayo and how you just put things in place. Just so grateful that I'm your mom and I'm just so looking forward to you being everything God has called you to be, even a mom and the lawyer. Can't wait to come to that graduations. Thank you for being you. Love you. And then my Busaya all the way. Busaya. Busaya, my only son in whom I'm well pleased. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. Perfect for I was so glad that we were assigned assigned to you and just you know that there's so much more depth um to you and can't wait to see you. First of all, she's graduated in May, so we are Ooh. excited about that <laughs> coming up. But thank you for being just so helpful. Helpful to your mommy and always lift up my bed. And thank you for <laughs> eating us out of a house and a home. But honestly, besides all of that, just we love seeing you independent, taking handling stuff, and just so excited about what the future is bringing in your life. And then you meet, oh, my baby love. Oh, my gosh, my baby. So glad that you're you. You called me yesterday. Mommy, I miss you. I love you. And I love And I miss you, too. Can't wait. Less than a month, we'll be home from college. And mm. I mean, my girls have just been such wind beneath our wings, the way they handle, manage, Busayo, fight with him. Like, they're like vicious, like all the things he gets away with me. Oh, no way, you know. But we love them just like that. Thank you. Thank you for being so kind, Jeannie. Mm. If I could say one word about all of them, kind. Yeah. Love. And my other oldest daughter, just such a joy just such a joy such a you know she doesn't nothing rattles she doesn't like things rattling her arcade or you know and she's law order too she's like very like mom you're mom you're doing this mom you're doing but i just love being your mother and praying god says well done and i know there's more to do and we'll get through life together so i appreciate you thank you joyce for letting me and the man that gave me them, right? Because when I them for nine months, he'll say, oh, I carried them all my life. So you know what that means. <laughs> all right. So I hope you don't have to edit you. I'm sure you, I hope you don't have to edit all of this. Like, okay. <laughs> thank you, honey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are being- welcome. Thank you for being an amazing mom. We are celebrating mom this Mother's Day. And Thank you so much for the work that you are doing as a mom. Thank you for the love that you give, even to us outside of the house, the way you love on us, the way you care, the way you even pour to us. We appreciate you for just being an amazing mother. Thank you. Mother's Day to you. Thank you. I love you. (laughs) Thank you. 
Yeah, we welcome. got the victory, mummies. We're gonna get through. We're gonna get through. Yes, we will. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. God bless you too. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to the Podcast at gmail.com. The Barrier Breakers Corner Podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by Joyce Donkor. The podcast music was written by Chidi Omenihu and produced by Andy Official in Begambia, West Africa. Cause they can't